0: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me as always is Clinton Matos.
1: That's me, hello everybody, and Robin Nicchetti. Howdy. You guys have a good week so far? Yeah. It's a, it was a week. It was a week. It was really one of the weeks of all time. And yourself, Robin?
2: I don't know what's good these days. What qualifies as good? Spider-Man. Uh, here.
0: I've been playing Spider-Man, <laughs> so my week has been rather good. Uh... Hopefully, I'll have finished my review by the end of today. If not, it'll be up on Monday. Uh, but keep an eye out for that uh, Spider-Man Marvel Spider-Man remastered on PC. It's a mouthful, but anyway, yeah, got get the full name. Yeah, <laughs> the full name, just in case uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment, Insomniac, and, and Nexus decide to uh, uh, sue me. But let's not talk about that right now. Let's talk about the metaverse, or rather, the only metaverse that actually exists in my eyes: okay. Fortnite. Clinton, you've for got news for
1: us. Yeah, the real metaverse. So ever since Fortnite started doing all these crazy crossovers of partnerships and events, everybody has wanted to see Goku. Now specifically remember um once they announced the like first um crossover, I can't remember what it was with, but somebody made, you know, went into Photoshop and made a picture of Goku in Fortnite. And it's been this running joke for years and years now. And the, the Mad Men actually did it. It's it's kind of insane. So Dragon Ball is in Fortnite. And they didn't just say, here's has, he has like a Goku skin. They've done a lot. And I think this may be one of the biggest um, crossovers they've ever done. And you can actually watch Dragon Ball Super inside of the show. Uh, sorry, inside of the game. The show inside of the game. All media is becoming one thing, basically. <laughs> it is the metaverse. So it's, it's absolutely bonkers. Between now and the 17th of September, you can watch Dragon Ball Super. But only certain episodes. Episode nine, episode ten, episode 11, 13, and then eighty one and ninety eight. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea
0: why it's those episodes. Maybe is it, not, is it not a case of like what the all those episodes between are just like Goku running somewhere? Or- it could be. I mean, yeah, a hundred
1: episodes are full of filler. It. it it could I very much be. I think it's probably be.
2: more spoilery. Um, there's a whole Ultra insti- Instinct arc maybe. to these episodes.
1: Or maybe it could be. Uh, those are like the biggest episode where stuff happens i have no idea uh dragon ball super kind of came out and there was no way to watch it in south africa and then the dubs took a long time it's i haven't seen them so i have no idea maybe somebody who's more versed in dragon ball super can tell us why it's those weird episodes but you can watch them inside of uh dragon uh, inside of fortnight oh my gosh it's all the same thing but and now even weirder to watch the show you need to go to a cruise ship now, this isn't a cruise ship that was like featured in Dragon Ball Super. It's just a random cruise ship that has been added to the game. So you go into Fortnite onto a cruise ship to watch Dragon Ball Super. It's, it's insane. These don't sound like real sentences. They sound you know like... Sorry, Clint. Yeah, Go ahead, go this,
0: ahead. This reminds me of um, when AMD, uh, I think it was the RDNA 2 graphics cards... Uh, there was one that they put into Fortnite and that was also just somewhere random you had to put yeah. in a special code um and it was just random like off of the map and I wonder if it's something if there's like something in the back end of the game that doesn't allow you to just have a whole bunch of people you have to go somewhere specific
1: Yeah Yeah well, I mean well, it's I
2: mean, international mean, waters right so license that uh, That's why they actually Radio. didn't
1: yeah, they actually didn't get the licenses for the show, so they, uh, they're pirating <laughs> them. That's hilarious. Maybe that's the reason. Um, so aside from that, there's also a new island to play on. I, I don't understand why they didn't just put the shows on the new island. It's called Dragon Ball Adventure Island. Again, it's very weird. I don't know why. Um, there is skins for Goku, as you can imagine, but there's also skins for Vegeta, Bulma, and Beerus. Um, for Bulma there's also a whole set of missions around finding her on the map and you can get rewards and there's one more thing oh there's two more things oh my god there is a player versus player battle arena which people can play in and then there is not a battle pass but a set of missions which kind of acts like a battle pass that people can partake in so this is one of the biggest crossovers with one of the biggest franchises in the world and just seeing the pictures. Um, coming out of this is hilarious. Someone's doing like the fusion dance with the Mandalorian from Star Wars. <laughs> um, Darth Vader is like flying on the Nimbus, which is also in the game. It's just absolutely in- insane. And I mean, where do we go from here? I think this was the big kind of white whale, well, not white whale, just a whale, that Fortnite was chasing after and people have been asking about it for years. So I don't know where the game goes from now, but More I'm sure anime. next week, yeah, next week they go well they've already done naruto um they've already done a, another big anime that i can't remember they've done one piece yet
2: i think that probably completely yeah that
1: that might be the big one i'm thinking it would really be cool to have even a neon genesis evangelion however you pronounce that weird show i just signed up for amazon prime and i watched the last rebuild movie which was pretty good so it's fresh on my mind but I think it would be pretty cool if they put the, the Avers in the uh, in the game, especially because they kind of have, they don't have destruction physics in the game, but they have the buildings that players can make and those can be destroyed. So I think if they let people uh, pilot Avers, that would be pretty cool. But I think that, that show and those movies are a bit, too messed up for Fortnite, i think um i think it delves too much into anime insanity for epic games but i mean maybe in five years they'll have it maybe in five years absolutely everything I mean, will be i mean don't they have Fortnite. john wick i i think uh evangelion is uh, a few steps above john wick in terms of what they show content wise okay. even above john wick yeah i think uh robin you can attest to that i think you, you're also a fan of the series
2: yeah, we can't actually mention some of the stuff that happened.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. All right. So yeah, I but I think on the surface level, if they just say, "Hey, we're going to have giant robots," I think they'll be fine. I mean, in Japan, it's one of the most like merchandised series ever. You can even buy like an Evangelion car. You can get Evangelion coffee and everything. So maybe it would be a bit too much for Western audiences, but I think Japanese audience would be like, "Yeah, put put it in the in the game. Why not?" So that's the Dragon Ball Super crossover with Fortnite. It's live right now. Go check it out. It's going all the way into September, but check out our story because some events are only happening in some days and then they expire and you'll have to wait for them to come back. So check out our story.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, Epic Games really is just building the metaverse while Mark Zuckerberg is playing on a PlayStation 1 in Paris and st petersburg i I don't know why does it look so bad did you guys see the 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 photo that he shared earlier this week
1: yeah it's it it looks terrible it it really does look like a ps1 game i know when people say oh it looks like a ps1 game it looks like a ps2 game whatever they're just um, exaggerating but this really does look like a ps1 game it's insane yeah i don't know how they how (laughs) yeah just an advertising
0: tool anyway let's move on uh robin you attended a huawei event uh, this week uh, where they announced some new hardware
2: yeah not just some quite a quite a <laughs> few announcements on the day um there was a foldable phone two notebooks a tablet uh four wearables uh, a pair of uh wi-fi mesh routers and think that's it. So, more than half a dozen uh, devices that were announced, not really announced, but rather revealed for the South African market. Um, I guess the hero products of the day were the new foldable uh, Mate XS2 and then their new kind of flagship premium uh, notebook, the MateBook X Pro. I'm just going to kind of focus on the Mate XS2 for now because it's now essentially the the second foldable that Huawei has launched in South Africa. Um, obviously, we know that Samsung are a few iterations ahead of Huawei in in regards to the foldables, but it does kind of indicate that the company is willing to take a kind of bet on foldables, especially when you consider some of the issues that Huawei has had as regards kind of the Google ecosystem and some of the, I wouldn't say backlash, but some of the, I guess, uh, some of the less than positive sentiment that some consumers have had as regards to that. So it looks like they're still willing to kind of take a risk as far as foldables are concerned. And, yeah, the new Mate XS2, uh, as with all foldable devices, does not come cheap. The recommended retail price is 39,999 Rand. Um, So <laughs> there's that to consider. Uh, it's also launching in South Africa from the 1st of September, so you can kind of keep an eye out on the Huawei online store. I'm sure they'll have some kind of promotion or try to kind of amp up its release uh, closer to the date. Uh, but, yeah. As far as the device itself, um, instead of, I guess, the Galaxy Z Fold 4's uh, mechanism, which actually folds together like a book, um, the the, uh, Mate XS2 folds on the outside, so I guess essentially the foldable screen is essentially on the entire outside of the device when you kind of have it in its folded mode. Uh, When you unfold it, it's about 7.8 inches uh, large, Uh, it's OLED screen. Huawei says that it's really up the, it's used a new nano coating to up the level of durability, scratch resistance on the phone. Uh, I am still a little bit hesitant, uh, especially when you're dropping 40K on a phone to kind of leave it that exposed to the elements mm-hmm. or to uh, a set of keys j- jingling around in your pocket. Um, Some other notable elements is that uh, it's running a Qualcomm Snapdragon 888 processor, which isn't one of the latest ones from Qualcomm. Uh, We also need to note that it's not supporting 5G, so that's potentially something that people need to think about, because that's a big selling point nowadays.
1: That's Um, very weird. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of it boils down to um, Huawei's kind of strained relationships with uh, US technology providers at the moment. Yeah. other kind of elements are eight gigabyte RAM, 512 gigabytes of storage. Uh, it's got a rear camera array that has a 50 megapixel, 13 megapixel, and 10 and eight megapixel uh, lenses on it. Um, 4,600 milliamp battery that supports 66 watt fast charging, um, and that essentially gives you 30. It uh, gives you 90 percent battery life from 30 minutes of charge. So I guess. It ticks the majority of the boxes that you expect from a flagship phone, Um, although the lack of 5G is um, potentially something that people would need to think about. Um, And obviously, it's running HMS, so you won't have access to the kind of full array of Google services. You'll have to find workarounds or side loading to kind of get access to those apps. So again, whenever it comes to, I guess, a new Huawei phone, there's those little asterisks. So um, it kind of remains to be seen what will happen with, with this device. Um, Huawei have already kind of, we've spoken to Huawei about this already and they've kind of said that they aren't expecting uh, massive volume of this to ship in South Africa um, it's, it's, I guess it's more of an experiment to kind of see what the market is interested in so it'll be kind of interesting to see what uh, the reaction is to to this Mate XS2 compared to the Galaxy Z Fold 4 but like we said, uh, the, addition, the lack of 5G and lack of, I guess, the full range of Google services means that um, it is a little bit, I guess, underpowered uh, when you compare it to some of its competitors. But again, um, people are dropping forty k on a phone. Uh, I'm not too sure how many people are actually doing that these days.
1: Yeah, not me. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. The the lack of Google
0: services is still something that that gives me pause.
2: Yeah, so whenever we, whenever we chat to Huawei about this, um, they talk about the return rate,
1: yeah, and
2: it's always like in the low single digits in terms of percentage return rates, some like one two percent. But when you kind of speak to other people, uh, just like I guess uh, Joe Sixpacks out there, mm. it's it it seems like it's a really big problem. Um, so it, it's a, it's really a case of what we're hearing anecdotally compared to what the company says is happening, and we kind of kind of caught in the middle as to what to actually believe.
0: I mean, like, just because somebody is keeping a phone doesn't mean that they are, like... They could be selling that phone cheaply at, like, a cash converters or on the second-hand market, you know? Like, just Mm -hmm. because somebody's not returning the phone... And, I mean, like, something like returning a phone is is not something that you can just do like that. Like, if I got a phone and realized that I couldn't use it, I'd just try and sell it. Um, Because, like, returning stuff is just fraught with issues. I don't know. It, It just it's a really bad mark against huawei because like as cool as this phone is i mean like a folding phone it, it looks really cool um i'll never buy it because i can't actually use the stuff that i want to use like i'm looking through the the uh huawei app gallery now and like things like uber just don't exist on on this app on on this app uh this app store which is a, a really big problem Um, Like, I can't see WhatsApp, and if it is, it's not in the top apps, but GB, what version 2022 is, whatever that is.
1: And I think it's not even just about, say, I wanted to buy a phone now, and I looked on the app gallery, and it had all the apps I want to use, right? Mm. Right now, all the apps I want to use are on their suite, okay? I buy this phone. What happens if, in a year, a really cool new app comes out that all my friends are using that I really want to use Mm. as well? But there's just no. It launches with no app gallery support. So I mean, that it's was not.
0: There was the. That was the thing that ma- killed Nokia, in my opinion, because yeah. you had things like WhatsApp and Twitter and all these things coming out that were apps, and then Nokia was like, "Nah, we're just gonna stick with Symbian. It's fine. Nobody needs. No, who needs apps? It's
1: not just about what's available now. It's about you have to think what's available later. And mm-hmm. again, I just don't have a lot of faith in it. Yeah, Yeah, I
2: think uh, HMS still needs a lot of work as far as that's concerned. Um, They made mention of the fact that uh, their navigation app, it's called Petal Maps. Um, They kind of hired 10,000 people across the Middle East and Africa region to kind of improve the experience of the app. So I'm guessing people are doing a lot of mapping for them at the moment. Uh, But yeah, they are still, although they say they are the third uh, most used operating system in the world, it's like um, it's like in for it's a sporting analogy. It's like uh, the the Premier League at the moment. There's Manchester City, there's Liverpool, and then there's a huge chasm for the rest of the teams. So mm. it might be third, but what is that gap between first and yeah. second? And yeah. Third? Yeah.
1: Sorry, by the way, quite wide is the gap. I'll tell you now. <laughs> Right. uh, Let's move
0: on. Uh, This week, the European Space Agency announced that Utilsat's Utilsat quantum satellite is in commercial operation. What is the Utilsat quantum satellite, Brendan? I'll tell you. It is a satellite that, much like a software-defined wide-area network, uh, can be customized to do whatever you need it to do. Uh, The satellite has eight beams, and six of those eight beams have already been sold, uh, and they've been sold to telecommunications companies as well as governments. And how this works is that traditionally when you launch a satellite into space, it has one job and one job only. In the words of Alton Brown, it's a unitasker, and that's really bad because... Uh, a lot of the times these satellites need to be decommissioned and they get thrown into uh the space the space graveyard in the South Pacific. Uh, that's if they don't burn up in the atmosphere before then. But it's still a lot of money to send a satellite into space, use it for one purpose, and then decommission it. So Utilsat's European Space Agency and Airbus decided that what they were going to do is make a satellite that you can customize on the ground, and that's what Quantum is. So Quantum allows you to configure the satellites in whichever way you want. Uh, you can adjust bandwidth for telecommunications uh, on the fly, so if you need more coverage in a specific area such as let's say there's a a sporting event happening and you want people to have better coverage or more coverage in that area uh you can you can kind of shape the beam of the satellite to cover that area more effectively um So this is a really, really cool little satellite. It was launched in July of last year. It's located at 48 degrees east, uh, and that's where it's able to serve the Middle East and North Africa region. So that's a very small region, but, I mean, it is one satellite, so let's be fair. Um, It's not the likes of Starlink, which has a whole fleet of satellites already. Um, Something really interesting is that they plan to uh, do, they they hope to launch a few more of these satellites as they learn about uh, how, how they work and how they respond. Uh, but I think this is a really cool solution for a company that might not necessarily be able to afford a satellite, but might need one. Um, so I think this is a really, really cool solution. I'm interested to see where it goes in the future, especially as uh, satellites satellite connectivity and just the use of satellites explodes uh, in the coming years. Um, We've already seen that astronomers are really worried about how busy the night skies are and have are concerned that we are blocking out our view into the wider cosmos. Um, and yeah, solutions like this where one satellite can fulfill multiple purposes is a really, really great idea. Um, so I'm excited to see where this goes uh, from a telecoms standpoint, especially with the likes of Starlink uh, becoming much, much more popular and trying to expand. I think Initiatives like this where satellites are multi-purpose rather than just having one, uh, one specific purpose is a really, really good idea. Um, that having been said, I don't think that this will be a golden bullet or silver bullet rather um, because the likes of NASA and researchers and that sort of thing still need satellites that are bespoke and do one specific thing because they need to have specific hardware on them to do those things. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really cool initiative from ESA, uh, Utilsat and Airbus. Um, and hopefully it becomes more widespread.
1: Out of all our current, uh, telecom companies in South Africa, which of them do you think would be most likely to offer a satellite offering in the future? Probably Vodacom. You think that's their, uh... Yeah, because Vodacom... is, is Vodacom Actually, no. The,
0: actually, you know what? I take that answer back. I would say MTN, purely based on the fact that MTN isn't just based in South Africa. They have a, they're have available in many, many markets in Africa.
1: Well, so, so is so is Vodacom. True. Uh, what's its parent company called again? Vodafone. Vodafone now. Yeah, so, I mean, either one I could see doing it, maybe not as a serious product, but maybe as like a, a PR thing, saying, hey, we got a satellite internet and you can buy it, you know, 10 people in South Africa can buy it. I think one of them will do it soonish, just just as a PR thing.
0: Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, we saw with 5G, every everyone or pretty much every telco company was trying to be, oh, we have the first 5G network in South Africa. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it kind of just faded. <laughs> uh, nobody wanted to talk about it anymore because the actual 5G networks were so small that like five people could use them. I, I think that's getting better though. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it, it would have to be, Either Vodacom or MTN, because I, d- I don't foresee CellC suddenly offering sat- satellite internet when it's still trying to, like, write its ship. Um, mm-hmm. We know Telcom uh, and MTN are in talks uh, to, to kind of be, uh, be acquired, um, Telcom to be acquired by MTN, and then RAIN put the same offer through to Telcom. So it's a bit messy, but I would say that it would probably be MTN and Vodacom with my my word, one of those two. It wouldn't shock it would shock me if Telcom came out tomorrow and said, Hey, we have satellite internet.
1: Um, but yeah. Probably would be a better service than what they usually offer. Mm. Telcom sucks. I'm Speaking not gonna... of service. <laughs> uh, <yeah.
0: laughs> uh this week Robin wrote a rather interesting story regarding uh super, super quick and disky. Uh, Robin, do you just wanna give us th- the, the five minute innovator pitch of what the story was about.
2: I'll do even better, I'll do two minutes. Um, so, <laughs> uh, this week, SuperQuick announced a partnership with a online platform called Disky. I must be honest, I've never heard of them before this uh, announcement was made. Uh, but essentially, they're using the service and a and WhatsApp in order to assist uh, South African motorists with their license disc renewals. Uh, Normally you'll go to a licensing department or you could potentially go through the South African post office to kind of do these things. But as we know, licensing departments are... uh, Hell on earth. Yes. yes, They're they're the ninth ring of hell. Um, And South African post offices are closing all the time. So to kind of find one that is actually up and running is really difficult. Um, So... Superquick are trying to use this opportunity to assist motorists, and they're a- adding this renewal functionality at 190 service centres across the country. How it essentially works is you'll go into a Superquick, and there will be a disky uh, board up that will allow you to scan a QR code, and that will launch your WhatsApp application on your phone. And from there, you uh, just fill out the forms and uh, click on prompts when uh, when you're asked to. And once you've completed that process. Uh, you make your payment uh, for your renewal, and then within 5 to 10 working days, uh, you'll be able to collect your, your license to renewal form uh, from the same service center. Uh, obviously, I know waiting 5 to 10 working days uh, is a bit much for a lot of people, but when you consider the fact that finding a post office that's actually open or uh, running the risk of going to a licensing department and being there for half a day um yeah, the, I think probably the the benefits here outweigh some of the negatives. So, yeah, that's kind of their the new offering, and it kind of really sparked a conversation within our own team mm. about how the private sector and I guess smaller businesses are having to step up in the, when uh, government isn't able to at the moment.
0: So yeah, so what the, this reminds me a lot, so much, so much of banks taking up the uh, the mantle of ta- of doing ID and passport applications. Um, so. This this has been around for many years. I think since like as far back as 2015, I stand to be corrected, Twin, could be 2016. Uh, but it started with F&B offering its customers the opportunity to apply for a license uh, in one of their branches. You'd have to go through a process online and that's still very true today. You do still need to go through an online process. But uh, we've been through that process and it's a lot more seamless uh, than going to home affairs. Uh, and now this uh, this licenses renews via, via WhatsApp with super Di- SuperQuick and Disky. Uh, like you, Robin, I'd never heard of Disky, I'll be quite honest. I mean, there's so many companies around, there's no way everybody can know them all. But this is the first time I heard of them, and I thought that this was such a great, great idea, uh, especially for a brand like SuperQuick, which, as it says in your story, has 190 server sensors across the country. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that they are that many home affairs, I don't think there are even that many home affairs offices, are there?
2: Um, there are quite a few, but the problem is you're when you kind of get there, you don't know what services are up and running. Sometimes computers are down, sometimes the system is down, and you've essentially blocked out half the day to hmm. go to these centers, and then you're kind of screwed.
1: Yeah, and then sometimes you find out that they won't even serve you because you need to make an online appointment. But then the online appointment doesn't work and it sends you an hour away in the wrong direction and you need to take leave to go get your license done. Mm, uh, We'll get to that in a bit.
0: Yeah, so that actually, I do want to talk (laughs) about that because at the moment, if you're in Gauteng, you have to go through an online portal in order to book a license or renew a license or do anything related to your car. Uh, The problem is that the system sucks. Sorry, innatus. Uh, sorry, folks, but it, it sucks. It is a terrible, terrible system. Um, I, for instance, live in Krugersdorp. Uh, there has never been a, an open booking at the Krugersdorp licensing dis- uh, center not once, not for license renewal, nothing. And somehow, somehow, there are still people that go there because I believe that people are just going there, uh, to take a risk, right? Uh, now, yeah. obviously I'm being facetious here, right? Because obviously some people are able to get through, but it requires you being at your computer at eight o'clock exactly refreshing a government website. Uh, and that in and of itself is problematic because government websites just go down or just simply stop working. Um, I, I think it was earlier this week, I was trying to access the Department of Home Home Affairs website and it was just down. I mean, I've opened it now, but also it's not a secure connection. So who knows what's going on on this website when I'm not looking? Oh, there's a there's a watch out for scammers warning, but and yet no uh, HTTPS. Um, it, it just astounds me that we are now in 2022, and
1: government services have are just still living in 1996. You know? yeah i i had such a bad time i think it was about three years ago at this point i needed to renew my license and it was the first time i needed to renew my license so there's a, a center near me at, uh, like a, a 15 minute drive i went there at like seven in the morning i stood in a big line uh eventually i got to the front they said we full for today you have to come back another day i came back another day still full so i said okay let me try a different place I went there, I stood in the rain, waiting to get to the front. I got to the front. They said, no, we won't serve you. Um, You need to make a booking online. It took me three months to get a booking. And the place that I got a booking was an hour's drive away. I truly don't believe that all those spots are filled. I I don't want to get into tinfoil hats. And I just think that the system is so poorly maintained that a lot of um, spots that say they fold are not fold with real human beings. I'm not going to say more than that. I just think that's what's happening because it's just impossible. South Africa is a big country just in terms of population, yes, but I refuse to believe that that many people are renewing their licenses every single day, 24 hours, you know, seven days a week. So it is hell. And then I had other problems that I don't want to get into because they're more specific to me than the system, but. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. Not to be like, um, you know, not to be dramatic, but at the time we were working from an office, um, the WeWork offices, and I needed my car to get to work. And I don't think um, our management would have been like, "Hey, Clinton, we're firing you because you missed like one meeting." But some people do work in that environment where if you miss one meeting or you know one day of work, you get fired. I cannot believe the stress that people who are in that position must be under because of systems like this.
0: So It's not
1: just just, an inconvenience. Sorry, Brendan, go ahead. So so something I do
0: want to mention, right, is not the fact that like, okay, if you miss a meeting, let's talk about the folks who rely on daily wages or weekly Mm -hmm. wages. If you don't show up at work, you don't get paid. There's no like sick leave or anything. You just don't get paid. Like an Uber driver, for instance, right? An Uber driver now needs to go and take time out of their day to go and book... A a license or a license appointment on this absolutely pants on head stupid website that doesn't actually work properly. Like you have to have your head screwed on really tight in regards to technology to be able to navigate this website. For instance, my mother tried to use this website, she gave up, and she just went to the licensing department and said, "I'm a pensioner, please help me." Yeah, and they, that's were able to help. they were able to help her eventually because like the website is just, it, it frustrates me. And I like to think that I'm pretty pretty tech savvy, but it frustrates the hell out of me because it's just a really bad user experience. But the problem with this is is that you're now asking somebody to sit on their phone, more, more, most likely, to navigate through this website and then go to this place one day and hopefully the system is online. Because if it's not, you got to go through that process again. You can't just like move your booking to another day. You got to now. Yeah. You got to go through this whole process again. So let's say you go through all that process, and uh, then they lose your license. Let's just say, right? You got to go through that the application process again. Hopefully, you don't have to go through the booking process again. Um, but it's just like there are so many issues here. And then I look at something like Super Quick and Disky, where it's you go onto WhatsApp. You fill in a form or you go to a center, you scan a code, you fill a form and five to 10 working days, you go back to the the center and you've got your license.
1: Yeah, and another thing that's absolutely ridiculous is that you then need to go back to that center to get your driving license. And again, like with me, because that's the only center that would do it, I then needed to take another two hours out of a work day to drive there to pick it up. Now, thankfully, you know, I don't know, I almost saw there. Thankfully, on the back of the the piece of paper they give you, you can fill out an affidavit to allow a third party to pick it up, but you can't do that like through a courier. I was just really thankful that my dad travels for work and he was happened to be within like 40 minutes of that place so he could pick it up for me through the affidavit. But why can you not have it sent with a courier? I trust a courier 100% compared to the, the South African government. Why can't they say, listen, we've partnered with courier guy or whatever. They will pick up your license and deliver it to you. Why can't they do that? I will pay for that, please. I know that's a very privileged thing to say. But again, for a lot of people, I think they would much prefer to pay a courier fee than to drive um, to these places. And again, it's during the workday. These places are not open during the weekend. Yeah. Um, Something I do want to say uh, while we're winging, I do want to talk about um, the stuff with pensioners because... You know, shout out to the Edenvale Licensing Department. I think it's Wednesdays. They will actually put time aside for pensioners to do all of this. And my mom recently needed to do her license and they allowed her to just walk in on a Wednesday and to do it. She did wait, but it wasn't like a nine hour wait horror story like you hear about sometimes. So, as much as we're whinging here, I do want to say hats off to the Edenvale Department, uh, Licensing Department. They made time for people who are elderly and they got her license done. Um, so yeah, not all whinging today, but uh, just for most people.
0: Yeah, uh, so the other thing I wanted to mention as well was uh, pay, well, we mentioned banks uh, doing the um, the passports and ID renewals, which uh, I, I think there's still some problems there uh, just in terms of the spread of banks that are allowed to do this. Uh, I don't know whether this is a, a lack of... Um, enthusiasm from banks or whether it's just red tape created by home affairs. I could speculate about what it could be, but I'm not going to do that. Um, But something else that I also want to mention is just the payment of fines. Um, This is something that I I spoke about with my father recently uh, as regards to paying fines. So I've been driving since I was, what, 1920, round about there. I got my license really late, but anyway. And for me, paying fines has always just been something like I could do at a a pick and pay, or um, increasingly online through my bank, um, like or through a website, pay fine websites. Uh, but increasingly, I'm starting to see that more and more banks are allowing you to to pay fines through that, uh, which is just another example of the private sector. Uh, picking up the slack where the uh, the government has kind of failed. Uh, just to go back, my father was telling me about how he used to have to pay fines, and I promise you that if I got a fine like in the the late nineties, I just wouldn't have paid it because the nonsense you had to go through was just ridiculous. Um, and I, I just feel like government is is really failing on these very basic services like getting an id should not be a complicated task i should not have to go to a home affairs like i did a couple of weeks ago to try and get a replacement id and be told oh sorry the system is offline and then when i went back to be told the exact same thing like how can the system be offline this amount of times there's clearly an issue and something
1: needs to be addressed within home affairs well again i don't uh, turn for your hat on i don't believe when they say the system's not working, most of the time. Again, I don't want to accuse anyone of anything. It just seems really convenient that but, that stuff is offline. This is, is off, a problem though,
0: because I mean,
1: even if it even if it
0: is the case that the system is offline, there's this inherent m- distrust of government services. Not not that they, you don't trust them to the, the, the documents that they're providing you, but rather don't trust them to actually do what they say they are going to do. I mean, if you go to, like, I remember going to a licensing department, trying to uh, renew my license for the first time, and there's just lack of care from employees there. Now, look, I, I get it. People don't like work, right? We don't like doing jobs. It would be great if we could all just be paid to exist. Mm. But on the same token, like, come on, please help me. Like, all I'm trying to do is, is get, follow the rule of law, but everything is just complicated. From the application process now, with government trying to be more electronic, but then failing in that regard and failing to actually update anything, fix anything, adapt anything, evolve anything. I mean, like the the website for booking your license hasn't changed in years. It's the same terrible experience that it has been since since it launched. Like sure, it's be given a new lick of paint, but the actual system is still terrible.
1: Yeah, Robin, you got any horror stories to share? I feel like it's just been uh, Brandon and I complaining here.
2: Nothing too hectic like that. Um, I guess my more recent experiences has been with Sapo, um, the South African Post Office, um, just kind of dealing with a lack of post actually arriving. So
1: I guess tell me about it. I I sent I I have never sent a letter in my life until three months ago. Um, I just I've never needed to do it. I've just always done things digitally or if it's something a bit bigger, I used a courier. So first time, a stamp is like almost 10 Rand, first of all, which is ridiculous. I Stamps are always one of those things where you think about them being very cheap. They are not, first of all. Second of all, I sent something. It took two and a half months to arrive in Cape Town. And then I had somebody send me something from Cape Town. It's been three and a half months and it hasn't arrived and... I've just kind of resigned myself to the fact that it's never going to arrive, and it wasn't just a letter. It had something very important in it. I don't want to say what that is, just for personal reasons. I've just re- resigned myself to the fact that that is gone. It's been three and a half months. I hope there's a miracle and it still arrives somehow, but I'm pretty sure it's been lost or stolen or destroyed or it fell down the uh, the couch crack. I've. I. It's not going to arrive. So it's ridiculous. I completely feel your pain, Robin. Um. Is your problem right now because you recently moved, do you think?
2: Um, no. So I guess the, the three nearest post offices uh, to where I used to live are uh, all shut down. Yeah. So post that was meant to be delivered there has gone to another post office. I, <laughs> I routinely go every Saturday morning to that post office to find out if anything has arrived. Um, it's a monthly subscription to an international publication called Monocle. Um i should be receiving something every month i have received since the beginning of 2022 one issue of that magazine
1: again uh, i can sympathize i was subscribed to um the dc comics graphic novel collection when that was available in south africa when i signed up i specifically remember that it said we will send it directly to your house and for the first like 10 issues it did come directly to my house and then uh there's been like 80 issues all of them went through the post office, and I never got it on time. I'm surprised so many of them did arrive at all. That the whole eagle Moss thing is a, a huge stuff up, by the way.
0: Um, uh, just sorry, I just want to jump in here. Have any of you guys ever had somebody from the UK say that they're gonna post you something?
1: uh no but i've had some companies say we're going to post you something and i say please for the love of all that holy, totally yeah. do not do that so the
0: reason i bring it up uh just for our listeners that don't, that aren't aware of this uh the uk's postal system is probably the best thing in the world it, I, i'm actually going to describe it as magic um because literally all you need is a postcode and that's it you don't need anything else you don't need to give people your street address you give them the postcode and stuff will arrive at your door like that I, legit, I legitimate so a friend of mine immigrated to the uk um and they needed me to send them their uh their uh their their degree that they had they were that they had received um and to post it to them they were like they just gave me like it was like two letters and three numbers and they're just like just put the name and that and you'll be fine i'm like no ways no way it'll <laughs> a week later
1: yeah it's it's insane mm.
0: Man,
2: so it's, having... it's part of the reason why I pay for express delivery these days. Ah. I will happily accept the cost purely for the fact that if it, if the last mile is handled by Sapo, I know I'll never see that product.
1: I will awesome. know I'll never see it. It's it's insane. It's just South Africans have just kind of accepted the fact that that uh, pillar of our government doesn't work at all. Um, something I do want to mention. Yeah, we really have to talk about this. Now, this happened. I. It's still going on. So, there's a, a lawsuit going on that the South African Post Office wants to push couriers out of the light um, uh, delivery business, basically. By that, I mean one kilogram or less. Mm. The South African Post Office, I- I'm not sure what their end goal is here, but their basic um, tenet is this they want to stop couriers in South Africa for making deliveries of one kilo or less because the South African post office should be doing that. Can you guys imagine how bad things will be if that if the post office wins? If I'm not mistaken, still currently being fought in court. I think the last, I'm just trying to look up news um, articles here. I think the last one is, the last story I see here was in March. I'm not sure what the current process of this is. Um, we usually don't report on stuff that has to do with legal things just because none of us have a law degree. Um, but if this goes through, man, that will be a dark day in South Africa. I am so worried about this. I I, I don't send that many packages, but when I do, it is usually less than a kilo and it is usually local. And there are so many good options for this. PostNet to PostNet, uh, PUDO. I used PUDO for the first time the other day. That was fantastic. It was such a good experience and it was really cheap. I sent something to Cape Town for 60 Rand. That is really cheap. And if the post office shuts all of this down, Oh, my God. Have you So have you guys heard of this uh, lawsuit that's going on? What do yeah. you think about it? So I just want to provide
0: some background. So a lot of this is based on the Postal Services Act 124 of 1998, um, which stipulates that – let me just find the piece here. Uh, the Reserve Postal Services include all items described in paragraphs 1A and 2 of a mass up to and including 1 kilogram as well as dimensions, which enable it to fit into a rectangular box of the following dimensions, length, 458 millimeters width, uh, 3 to 5 millimeters thickness, 100 millimeters cylinders having a maximum length of 458 and 100 millimeter thickness and a mass of up to one kilograms are regarded as letters. So uh, the reason this is important is this is what's classified as a reserved postal service. Um, Now, I haven't read the full extent of this law, um, but I would assume that what uh, the post office is trying to do here is claim that it is the only... um, the only body that is able to do uh, reserved postal services now. There is a stipulation in this, in that uh, you can apply to become, you can apply to operate a a reserved postal service. However, um, no person may operate a reserved postal service except under in accordance with a license issued to that person in terms of this chapter. So essentially, what people are arguing is that the folks who are doing couriers haven't registered as a reserved postal service. And I think that's how they're trying to get in, get or trying to sue these couriers and uh, e-tailers who, or sorry, e-commerce sites who do their own um, deliveries. That's really weird to me because why now? Like we've been doing couriering for how long now, and now you have an issue with now. Now you want to take this away? Is it because e-commerce has now suddenly boomed? But then on the other side of that, is the post office even capable of handling the amount of
1: deliveries that go through these no, companies? No, I'm going to argue no. Don't, don't even ask that as a hypothetical. <laughs> it's like it's not even a hypothetical question. Mm. Even though it has to do with the future and things people don't know, it's not a hypothetical because the answer is going to be no. Yeah, so ridiculous. I agree with you
0: because like, just think. I just think about how many deliveries I receive a week, right? From companies sending us review gear or me just ordering stuff. Or something as simple as check is 6060. Like the amount of deliveries I receive compared to the amount of posts I receive, which is zero, despite knowing that I'm getting like let I'm I'm supposed to be getting bank statements. I'm supposed to be getting like uh what are these things? Um tax certificates from uh my retirement news, all these things. I'm supposed to be getting posts of these things, I just never get them. They yeah. never come to me.
1: It's insane. I I can't believe that they are pursuing this. It's just it's such a fragrant disregard for South Africans as we live our lives. I I couldn't care less what the actual law says. Things are working fine. South Africans made a plan because the government can't deal, and now they're like, no, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna walk that back. And it's again, I don't want to say anything that can get me, you know, in trouble. I just think there's some executive sitting somewhere that thinks they can get a new uh, lake house overseas if they take this over. Um, yeah, I won't say more than that. It's, it's so ridiculous. It's it's like it's not bad enough that they can't do the job. It's that now we've made alternatives to do the job and they want to ruin it for us. Oh, man, it makes me so angry. <laughs> I,
0: want, I want to shift the conversation a bit
1: uh, to
0: another government entity that has failed us time and time again, Eskom. Um, So here, I just want to go back uh, to, I think it was end of July, uh, when Ramaphosa gave us a breakdown of how government is going to turn around ESCOM's uh, uh, dire situation. Uh, Almost swore there. (laughs) Um, But one of the main things that this turnaround plan revolves around is the private sector. Uh, Whether it's producing additional capacity, or literally them selling power to ESCOM, like, I think this is government starting to realize, like, hang on here, okay? Maybe we can't do everything. Maybe we need to turn to the private sector a little bit more. However, the moment that you say that the the topic of privatization comes up and there are arguments for and against privatization, uh, we can see examples of what happens when you privatize an uh, electricity grid in the UK. Um, there, there's some real, there's some... There's there's some lessons that can be learned there, um, which I think that everybody who calls for privatization of ESCOM, like even myself, I have in the past called for privatization of ESCOM. And then I went and see what happens in places like the UK where that service is privatized, and it's not great. There are problems with it, right? But I think that there needs to be an emphasis on private and public partnerships, such as this one with ESCOM, where ESCOM is still the the entity that is behind distribution and making sure that uh, all South Africans who pay their bill are able to get electricity. But when it comes to actually making up the shortfall of things, that's where you need to turn to the private sector. Just like where uh, SuperQuick and Disky come in, there's a shortfall. So the private sector is coming in to try and address that shortfall. But I feel that there's a lot of resistance from government towards this idea because, like you say, Clinton, there's an executive or minister or some politician somewhere who thinks that if they hold on to this for their dear life, they are – they're going to get an extra payday. And meanwhile, Rome burns around them because they want to just keep holding on to this thing like the Regulation of Postal Services Act, which is an act from 1994, all right? Postal services has changed so much since 1994. Hell, they've changed so much since 2015. Yeah. Like, how can we still be sitting here? Uh, it's like the it's the USA arguing that the First Amendment and the Second Amendment are set in stone. My dude, those things were set; those things were written by old white dudes who are now have been dead longer than you have been alive.
1: And uh, you want to use that as that? Yeah, get like, like, that. into that. The whole thing with the Second Amendment was like, yo, you should be able to own a musket which can fire one lead ball at like hundred meters a second. Not an one AR
0: fifteen which will destroy yeah. your walls. But we we getting distracted here. So the, my issue is, is that with government, with something like this post office issue, it we are basing it off of a we are basing it on a time or these rules today we're enforcing rules today that were created during a time where we didn't even have. Uh, Smartphones. Hell, we didn't even have flat screen TVs at this point, right? The idea of somebody delivering groceries to you on the back of a bike was laughable. And yet, here we are now, where like Check is 6060, Woody's Dash, Pick and Pay is ASAP. All these apps are just a a regular part of life. Uber Eats is like the the thing we all turn to when uh, ESCOM announces load shedding. So, there's so many instances where things have changed entirely and then you have the post office saying oh wow we we must deliver all packages over one kilogram if you can guarantee that those packages are delivered in 60 minutes uh,
1: post office and you can prove that sure go for it you know what's also really bad about this let's say they win in court and they have to do all these packages I think the entire South African postal system would just collapse, yeah, due absolutely. to capacity. And then it's like, oh, you're not getting your packages. We won't even get any post. And again, we have moved to a mostly, you know, paperless society. But there are still things that the government really wants to stay um, with paper. Um, stuff like legal proceedings and stuff like that. I, I don't want to get into it because, again, I'm not an expert but on no,
0: Even there, I'm going to challenge you because uh, in 2020, when the pandemic hit and we had lockdown, a government launched case files, which was an, a way for the legal fraternity to file things online. Um, and I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know how well it works today, but I have people that are working in the legal services uh, sector. They have just complained about it endlessly because it's just terrible just yeah. a terrible terrible way to do things even from just a a government communication standpoint earlier this week I was looking for a uh, communication from the competition commission of South Africa the website hasn't been updated since like late July
1: yeah and I'm pretty sure a lot of um Again, in the laws that were written decades ago, they probably say, oh, you know, X, Y, and Z document has to go through the post, has to be a physical hmm. document, has to go through the post. And then if you say, okay, now the post office is going to be in charge of all these packages, it's going to get overwhelmed and it's going to collapse. Hmm. It just is. It's Again, it, it is a hypothetical question, but it's also not a hypothetical question. But
0: then here's the other side of this that I think is is worrying to me as well. And I think we'll we'll start to wrap up from this point onwards. but. If you look at like, I'm paying tax, right? I'm paying tax for services. Now, I understand that when I uh, apply for a license, I'm paying for that specific thing. I'm paying for that service. I'm paying for those people's times, et cetera. The fact of that is that I'm paying tax for government officials to oversee things and make sure that things work. Uh, yeah. But now we have uh, super quick and Disky doing uh, license renewals. There you have banks doing uh, ID applications and passport applications. Bank's also doing uh, e fines and letting you pay those. Um, so what exactly am I paying the tax for if all these private companies are doing the job that governments are supposed to be doing? I, I really hope that super, Dis, uh, super quick and Disky are getting a kickback from government for doing this stuff. Uh, because, like, I mean, if you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart, I applaud you guys. But uh really this should be this should be something that government is paying these companies to do um, and I really hope that they are
1: I, I almost I can almost guarantee it's probably the other way around. they are probably paying the government for the uh, the privilege to do it mm. uh, so they can offer their uh, customers the service
0: I mean that's yeah. that's, that's that's alarming um, Robin I was was is there a cost associated with uh, this re- license renewal with, at superquick?
2: Uh, the only cost is the actual payment of the license renewal fee. So what you would normally oh, yeah, pay at a, a Sapa or whatever. Yeah.
0: So I mean, it's you. These poor folks. Also, you're not even paying for the labor that they're doing. Like I know it's, like yeah, man. It's just. I wish government would do better. This this is this is the thing. Is I don't want governments to fail. I don't want it to fail. I live in this country, right? I, yeah. I love this. I love living here, and. I just feel like government is letting the team down, guys. Like yeah, come I, on. I feel
1: I feel like a lot of people kind of misdrew what I say and they think I'm I I hate South Africa or whatever because I have a lot to complain about. I actually love this country. I think I like South Africa more than most people, and it's just uh, it breaks my heart for all of this to happen. It's like it's just squandered potential. Um yeah, again, I love I love this country and I'm not saying that to sound patriotic or whatever. I think I really I'm more hopeful about South Africa than the average person despite how overall negative I am I mean, and it's also uh,
0: like it's it's that old thing right like if you love something you also its harshest critic like 100% 100% I, mean, I, I want this country to succeed and it's great to see People like super quick, and the bank stepping up and h- trying to help citizens. It's a really admirable service. Even folks that stand in line, you pay people to stand in line for you, right? And to do applications for you. Like that's a whole cottage industry that was set up yeah. because of just how m- much people hate standing in line. Um, but it it's just, it speaks to the wider issues. And I feel like if we don't address them, eventually we're just going to have a situation where the private sector is doing everything. And then government, when it sees the success of this, just turns around and goes, well, you know what? The law actually says that the only people that can do this is home affairs. So please hand over all your systems to us and we'll we'll take it from here. Or we'll just crib your systems or whatever it may be. It's just that, that really just, because we're seeing it now with the post office where we had a terrible postal system and then the rise of couriers came and now the post office is like, oh, well, nobody's using our system why do you think nobody wants to use you guys? Cause it's terrible. You lose post. Like I don't actually, rem- I don't remember hearing about a postal work striker in the longest time, but that's also because I haven't heard about anybody receiving their post in the longest time. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, ah, uh, it's just disappointing. Like again, admirable for the companies that are stepping up, but in an ideal world, they shouldn't be needing to step up. Yeah. What do we Like, I- I'm struggling what what, I usually... to, what, what is our, our ending point here is that if you are a company and you have an idea of working with the, the, the public sector or trying to fill a gap that the public sector isn't isn't fulfilling, do it. But be cognizant of what's happening with uh the uh the post office now. Be cognizant of the fact that like you are now taking on the role of government when you really
1: shouldn't have to be doing that. Um uh, this... All of this also, it kind of stifles um, uh, business opportunities for people. I mean, South Africa is always, the, the government officials are always being like, oh, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit, um, people must, you know, find niches in the market and pull themselves up from the bootstraps and create uh, job opportunities. But then that's what these courier companies have done, and now you want to you wanna cut them off at the knees. It sends a message to people in South Africa that – Why bother, you know, going through the effort of being a member of society creates jobs and opportunities for yourself and others if the government can come and just uh, destroy you in court or try and destroy you in court? Mm -hmm. It's just – it stifles creativity in the marketplace. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, because
0: like – yeah, absolutely. That's such a good point. I can't even add to it. (laughs) Robert, do you have anything you want to add just before we wrap up? (laughs)
2: Um, Yeah, so – I've been to countless uh, technology events where government has been invited and uh, all protocols have been observed and (laughs) the government spokesperson talks for half an hour about nothing. Um, That really needs to stop. These initiatives where private and public sector are collaborating ultimately haven't achieved much. I would much rather see initiatives like what SuperQuick had done, what the fintech industry has done, uh, and to be honest, the fintech industry has done it because it is the most mature industry in South Africa yeah. uh, from a technology standpoint. Um, there needs to be investment on that front. Uh, government talks about four IR. I don't care about that. The, the SuperQuick uh, situation was was great because it met a pressing need for South Africans. Yeah, four IR is way down the line. Mm. We need to actually handle pressing needs and um, yeah, it, it, the more we're, we're seeing government not really do anything, the more it seems like um, yeah, it, it, the, the collab- collaborations are just for headlines, uh, yeah. nothing actually tangible happens
0: yeah, like oh, how many smart cities things have they been to, or have they been with governments? And oh, we're going to stop building smart cities, but it doesn't—you can't have a smart city without connectivity. Can't have people trying to use an online service if they can't connect to the internet. Like, yeah, come on, guys. Whatever happened to SA Connects, Mr. Ramaposa? Whatever um, happened
2: to Modafinil? Yeah. What if it's meant to be like the huge smart city in South Africa? Yeah. yeah. What,
0: what what happened to all these things? I mean, once you start like questioning, then it's all right, well. You know. You know. Yeah. Uh, I,
1: I think uh, we should start booing officials at these events. We might get kicked out, and we may not be invited to other things. But it's not illegal to boo, and I don't think they'll call the police on you. Um, we'll get a headline: Hypertext kicked out of government's event for booing. Just as soon as a government official is like announced, you just you just stand up, boo boo. Like you don't even say anything. They're like, Why are you booing? You know, you just have you give them no context. It's like they they know why I'm booing. They don't.
0: <laughs> they don't. Right. So uh the the crux of the matter is that government needs to do better. Uh companies that work with governments need to push governments to do better. Um, even if they are fulfilling a need. I think that there needs to be pressure from the private in the private sector saying, hey, hey, we can't do all of this. You need to, you guys need to fix your side as well. Um so yeah. Uh, come on. Just just please be better, guys. That's all we want. We just want we want everybody to have the best possible life. Not just a couple of politicians who are enjoying lavish lifestyles. Let let's let's all have lavish lifestyles. Why can't that be a thing? Maybe I'm just maybe I've been watching too much Hassan, RB. I think that may be what my, my issue is but that's going to do it from us I think we're going to wrap that conversation up here because we're not going to get anywhere because we're not government officials nor do we have billions of dollars to invest in solutions to fix the uh, government's issues um, but thank you so much for tuning in uh, as always my name is Brendan Lots. thank you so much to Clint Mathos bye everybody and Robin Lichetti take care everyone and we'll see you next week goodbye bye everybody cheers <laughs>